0: America's number one show on pop culture and politics this is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth and few problems greater confronting this great nation than the scourge of homelessness which has just uh, taken over the streets of most major American cities. No, it's not just a San Francisco problem or a Seattle problem or a Los Angeles problem or a New York problem, it is everywhere and you can see it and it is getting worse. And uh, there is actually one sign of hope, which is a new report from Discovery Institute that says that Congress and the executive branch need to focus federal action On Untreated Mental Illness and Substance Abuse to Reduce Homelessness, Drug Overdoses, Jail Overcrowding, and the Misuse of Emergency Rooms. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show uh, Robert Marbutt, who's a renowned expert on homelessness and a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute's Center on Wealth and Poverty. Uh, Robert, congratulations on the completion of this report. And it is uh, broadly supported, is it not, by a, a growing coalition of, uh, of think tanks, thinkers, activists, uh, people who are concerned with this problem.
0: And first off, thanks for having us on again. And you're absolutely right. We put this report out a couple months ago, and it's really taking off. It's really becoming viral uh, within what I'd call the, the common sense uh, approach to dealing with homelessness and the need to change the federal policy. And it's been adopted uh, broadly within a coalition of, of both, and believe it or not, just within America, but even inside some members inside a candidate, inside the coalition, have adopted it too. So uh, we're real excited about that. Uh, but, but in the end, you know my view is a report to a report we got to get Congress to make the changes and then that's when you start to see great outcomes on the street
1: okay the question would be and I think for a lot of conservatives in particular it's an obvious question why Congress shouldn't this problem be dealt with more effectively not as a federal matter and i not out of Washington DC but as a local matter and at most as a state matter what is the necessity of getting the federal government to change course
0: well I think you got two things there and, and I'll take the second one because that's real quick and easy as I agree with you you need all levels you need state you need local and federal now why do we focus on federal uh, they made a change the federal government made a change in 2013 which significantly made things worse. Sometimes federal policy actually make things worse. And so uh, if it had been neutral, then we'd probably be spending a lot more time with mayors and council members and governors. But when Congress took money away from treatment for un- uh, mental illness and substance abuse and said, we're only gonna give away free vouchers to people and not only that, we would actually re- disproportionately award bad behavior. You you actually get a higher ranking with bad behavior, not a neutral ranking. And all we do is give you a voucher, taxpayer-subsidized voucher, and we don't work on treatment and recovery. Uh, in our book, that's just nuts.
1: In other words, uh, we have this policy which uh, has been supported uh, on a federal level and in a, a very – public way, a policy called housing first. And what you say in your report, and which is painfully true, is it's housing first has become housing only. And uh, what's wrong with the idea that basically if you're dealing with a problem of homelessness, you end the problem by giving someone a home?
0: And the problem is they had housing first before and lost it. And if they lost it, because normally it's because they lost a job, but then you back up, why did you lose your job? We didn't show up on time. You were high. You, you had the untreated mental illness. You had substance use. So you lose your job. And so until we can get the uh, untreated mental illness and the substance use and the job fixed, you will. Ju- it's a cycle that we can never get out of. Because you'll give this person a voucher and then the next person a voucher and you literally run out of money and so we have to re- treat the root cause and the root cause is not the loss of the house the root root cause is the loss of the job because of the m- untreated mental illness and the substance abuse and so any federal program that treats gives away a free voucher or a voucher only It's just crazy. Think about Pell Grants. Uh, When you get a college Pell Grant from the federal government, you actually have to attend class 88.5% of the time. You have to get at least a 2.0, and you have to finish in your designated time period, three, four, five years, whatever you get it for. We do the same thing with unemployment insurance. We do the same thing with another welfare program called TANF. So why in the homelessness world do we give you a free voucher and there's no requirements for treatment no requirements for job training no requirements to try to help you get out of that we just give it to you and and we consider that enablement rather than engagement
1: and uh, basically it's it's based on the idea that uh, changing surroundings is somehow going to uh, change people but Doesn't necessarily work that way, does it?
0: Not at all. And we've seen that with Operation Roomkey in California, where in the last two years, they've used a lot of COVID relief money. And in my book, misused COVID relief money uh, to get both buy hotels and get vouchers in hotels. And what has happened up and down California is a doubling of the death rate and it's not about covid it's not about anything else it's is singularly if you go read the coroner reports that they've been doing the annual reports the doubling of the death rate is 94 percent tied to drug overdose and not simple so if you give a person a room without treatment and recovery and take them away from uh, a union rescue mission, a city gate network, a Salvation Army treatment program, say, you don't have to go there. We're just gonna give you a free voucher and go keep overdosing, keep drugging. And you know during COVID, you saw some uh, places in it that were funded by the federal government that turned out to be like meth labs, drug distribution, brothels. So we're really misusing the federal money in multiple different ways now.
1: I know that we have here, right in the same neighborhood that our radio studio is located, what is uh, fondly referred to as the drunk dorms, which is housing for homeless alcoholics. You have to prove that you have a criminal record of drunken, disorderly, other alcoholic uh, symptoms. And uh, basically, they don't even require the people who are getting free federally funded by the way housing there to give up drinking in, in other words the the idea that you you raise about the pell grants well is exactly right uh... the the old joke about how many psychologists does it take uh... to screw in a light bulb well uh, only one but the bulb really has to want to change uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Well, but that's the problem here. Is is there any evidence that the people and there are over a million adults who are homeless in this country want to change? Uh, We will get to that in just a moment with uh, Robert Marbut, uh, who is uh, a senior fellow at Discovery Institute Center on Wealth and Poverty. We will link this new report and a summary of it uh, from Discovery Institute to our website at michaelmedved.com. We will be right back.
0: Entertain your brain. Oh, it's awesome. Every day on The Michael Medved Show. 1 800 1776. The Michael Medved Show.
1: Marbut is one of the most respected thinkers on the issue of homelessness and a senior fellow of Discovery Institute's Center on Wealth and Poverty. He has a Ph.D. in political behavior and American political institutions, and his career has been marked by bipartisanship, having served as chief of staff for San Antonio Mayor Henry Cisneros in the 1980s and as a White House fellow under George H.W. Bush and most most, uh, recently as uh, an executive uh, director uh, in in the executive branch uh, for recommending new approaches from uh, Congress of the United States. Uh, Robert, when uh, you, you, you look at what is going on right now, I was struck by the fact that, again, this transcends partisanship. It's not a conservative issue or a liberal issue. It's an American issue. And Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, former police lieutenant, uh, talked about it as a humanitarian issue. He was on uh, the Morning Joe program on MSNBC. Listen.
0: the one, uh, Homelessness that you've been talking about. Uh, in New York City, it's certainly a problem here in Washington, D.C., where there's a humanitarian crisis on the streets every night. And, and think about it. We're saying that people who cannot make decisions for themselves to the extent that they can't take care of their basic needs and their dangers to themselves, we should get them care. You actually have people advocating that they should have the right to stay on the street. That's inhumane. Instead of no. taking care of them. It's a humanitarian crisis. It really is. It really is.
1: Um, you agree I take it oh my gosh I love what he's
0: doing in terms of homelessness and he's our sort of the first Democrat mayor in a country to just use common sense Uh, and he should be applauded Uh, we've been talking about this for 20 years and sadly people have tried to make it a, a partisanship thing and and when I think about it, sometimes government policy can get really complicated and convoluted. I get that. I've been on the inside of three different White Houses. But I got to tell you, we got to make, make it in a simple thing. In America, we need to make it hard to get high and easy to get treatment. We need to make it hard to go homeless and easy to get out of homelessness. But instead what we're doing in America is we're making it very easy to get high and hard to get treatment. Some of these consumption sites all up and down the West Coast mostly, and in places like Philadelphia, are, are, are publicly funded, taxpayer funded drug sites. That's what they are at the core of the essence of it. And that to me is just nuts. We should be moving away from those type of programs and into how do we get yourself sustainable? How do we help you get out of homelessness? How do we get treatment for untreated mental illness? And how do we kick your habit? That's what we should be working
1: on. It's uh, And the federal uh, steps that uh, you recommend in this new report that I hope people will look up, it's at michaelmedved.com. Uh, the new report suggests that step one Is getting rid of the housing first policy as a a plank of federal policy Uh, what's uh, so destructive about housing first
0: it it gives you literally a free voucher with no responsibility no let's work together to help get you out of homelessness let's kick your habit let's get you employable let's get you a job Instead, it says, we will give you a voucher unlimited for the rest of your life with no responsibility. Period. It would be like giving unlimited Pell Grants and saying, hey, whether you attend class or not doesn't matter. Don't worry about your GPA. Uh, We'll just keep renewing your Pell Grant as long as you want it. Go to class, don't go to class. Have good grades, don't have bad grades. In fact, What a lot of the housing first, uh, without going into too much of the nuances in many parts of the country, you go to the top of the line with with more irresponsible behavior and no accountability uh, toward recovery and treatment. And it's, it's just crazy how we've got to this point. And it's part of a movement called the harm reduction movement. And there's some elements of harm reduction that I think when properly used in the right medical circumstance is, is a good thing. But now we've made it a, a political thing of uh, giving you free everything with no accountability. And it literally would be like giving unlimited Pell Grants and say whether you go to school, doesn't matter. Whatever your GPA is, doesn't matter. And so the, the, the p- federal public policy is the exact thing of why homelessness has increased in the last 10 years, period. Just in in stop, no other explanation. It's the federal government policy that's made things worse.
1: What about, you're talking a lot about uh, uh, drug addiction, which is obviously a very big component to homelessness. Do do you believe that uh, mental illness aside from drug addiction, is also a major contributing factor. And as I read your report, uh, I think you're, you're suggesting that uh, it shouldn't always be left to the individual's initiative or the individual's decision uh, to get mental health care from people who are suffering uh, from very serious illness.
0: And you're right on, and and we have to remember the largest study ever of homelessness that looked at sixty-four thousand people experiencing unsheltered homelessness. Three fourths had a, a untreated mental illness. Three fourths had a substance use, and there's a direct tie, and the substance use disorder. You become self-medicating, and so when you become self-medicating, you don't make good decisions. The other core principle is is the clip you just played on the Morning Joe show with uh, with the mayor of New York is uh, he put it beautifully. I mean, he put spot on is sometimes these individuals can't make that decision for themselves. And if you let them stay in the park and get high and get drugged up and abuse their body and tricked for in order to get the drugs, that's not humane. I, I, I think uh, Mayor McAdam is right on on this and we have to start helping people with their untreated mental illness.
1: And uh, you, you also talk about a, a revision and, and quickly in Medicaid. What's going to be necessary there?
0: That is the, what's called the IMD exclusion. It has a lot to it, but in oversimplified terms, the federal government will fund medical care if you're a minor, and it will fund it if you're over 65, but it doesn't fund it from your 20s to your 65. And so we need to get rid of that exclusion that cuts that program out.
1: Robert Marbutt, uh the report is full of information And actually full of hope. And uh, actually something might be done on the federal level and can be done. If we will it, it is no fairy tale. Uh, Robert, thank you for your contribution. We will be back to another threatened addiction coming up. The Michael
0: Medved Show.
1: Uh, speaking about addictive behavior which can be so destructive it is possible for people to be addicted to lying you don't believe that I mean even even when you have a uh, an extremely good pile of evidence showing that lying has not really served you well uh, people keep doing it and uh, no one more prominently than George Santos, the great pretender. Call me a liar.
0: I I faked my way to Congress, which is absolutely amazing. I like blowing stories that are not there up. Oh yes, I'm the pretender. I'm Jew-ish, remember I was raised Catholic. I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. Is... Call me a liar. I too much.
1: I'm lonely, but no, one can
0: no, it's not false at all. Oh, yes, I'm...
1: Okay, these uh, most recent lies, there's a whole bundle of them, uh, go from the, you would think, trivial to actually... Extremely relevant and important. Uh, there is uh, a uh, a new piece from uh, uh, AOL dot com, and the headline is uh, "Kirsten Cinemas Office George Santos Lied About the State of the Union Story." <laughs> what What did George Santos have to do with the State of the Union? Remember, he uh, got into a because he was very prominently functioning on the aisle and trying to shake everybody's hand and glad-handing. And as Mitt Romney came through trying to find his seat, he saw George Santos there and he said, you don't belong here, you don't belong in Congress. And um, here's the story. The office of Senator Cinema, Sinema, uh, Independent Arizona, said that Representative George Santos lied about her giving him encouragement at the State of the Union address on Tuesday. In an interview Thursday with the conservative network Newsmax, Santos relayed the story while discussing a combative exchange he had with Senator Mitt Romney earlier this week at President Biden's address to Congress. Quote, Kirsten Cinema, as she was walking by the senator from Arizona, She said something to the effects of, hang in there, buddy, or something like that. I said, thank you, Madam Senator. She was very polite, very kind-hearted, as I've learned to see her. She is a good person, unlike Mr. Romney, who thinks he's above it all and is almighty white horse to talk down to us on morality. Look, he's a sick puppy. (laughs) He he also said that... uh, um, Romney, uh, well, was um, actually. He said that Romney has always had prejudice toward minorities. And he sees himself as a minority, I guess, because he's Jewish, or <laughs> because his family is of Ukrainian background. None of this is true. Uh, what what minority is he a member of exactly? and uh there is more I, I mean the george santos uh said this on uh, on on news with greg kelly uh listen
0: here's here's the reality i'm human i've made mistakes I've made peace with those mistakes and I've come clean on those mistakes. Um, I thought we were the nation and the country of you know repent and ask for forgiveness and move forward. The problem is the media fanfare around me continues to spiral.
1: Okay, the, but the problem is the media fanfare around him comes because of additional provocations. There, there is this um, George Santos is already raising funds for 2024 and is asked by the Federal Election Commission to clarify if he's running for re-election. The Federal Election Commission is asking embattled George Santos to clarify by March 14th if he's running again in 2024, according to a letter sent by the agency. The letter sent to Santos on Tuesday noted that his primary Campaign Committee, De Volder Santos for Congress, reported raising and spending funds for the 2024 election, triggering a requirement for officially declaring a re-election campaign. The letter comes after the Santos campaign, which lost its longtime treasurer last month amid questions regarding the source and use of all of his campaign funds, reported in its latest disclosure, uh, filing more than a dozen contributions Amounting to $28,000 and expenditures amounting to $43,000. This is after he's already in Congress and that are dated after the November election day and attributed to the 2024 primary and general election. Uh, you must either disavow these activities by notifying the commission and writing that you are not a candidate or redesignate your principal campaign committee by filing a statement of candidacy, the FEC wrote. The the whole idea it reveals and, – and by the way, there's much more now about uh, charges that were brought against him uh, for uh, taking uh, checks for purchasing dogs and for forged checks that were used for purchasing dogs as part of his uh, charity, uh, the uh, Friends of Pets United. And uh, this is, and there are more and more people who've come forward and said he participated in fundraisers. And then rather than using those fundraisers for actually trying to benefit uh, aged service dogs, he pocketed the money. And uh, the idea is if Santos was charged with these phony checks involving uh, Friends of Pets United in 2017. And he got off because he said, uh, no, no, it wasn't his checkbook. That checkbook had been stolen, and it was somebody else who was abusing it. Uh, This usually doesn't work that well. Uh, There was um, also more about his work experience that he talked about with Greg Kelly. Uh, Listen.
0: So, I want to set the record clear about my work experience. I never lied. i I never worked for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup directly, but I did work through uh, direct contracts for those firms in the management of limited partners and general partners relationships um through a through a series of uh, cap introductions. Right, con-
1: okay. Uh, the uh, Robert Garcia, who's a Democrat from California, spoke with reporters on the steps of the Capitol. He's introducing a resolution to expel George Santos from Congress. It should have bipartisan support. Uh, here's what uh, Congressman Garcia had to say. Listen, clip. 14. As an openly gay
0: person, uh, as an immigrant, as a, a Latino, I look at uh, Mr. Santos as someone who's actually very similar to me, except that he lies about everything. And so, within within our own uh, LGBTQ community, there's like major disgust uh, in what he's doing and his representation of our community, and so it's not acceptable for him to lie about every single part of his past, including uh, uh, now getting classified information uh, or access to it. So it's just, it's time that, honestly, the final straw was getting access to, giving access, being given access to classified information. You're literally giving someone that's a fraud and a
1: liar, um, access to America's secrets. I mean, that's just not acceptable. Uh, You think uh, there's a great deal uh, behind that argument coming up uh, with Super Bowl weekend coming up a, a gigantic uh, increase in sports betting good for the country we will get to that and more coming up on the Medved show
0: The Michael Medved You saw real white trash on display. Michael Medved. He, he dresses like white like trash. He really needs a fashion consultant.
1: <laughs> fashion consultant? Um, I don't know, James Carville. Uh, the uh, the comments by James Carville, which, by the way, I think have already backfired. Uh, because, uh, again, you, you don't persuade people by... Insulting them. And maybe you can occasionally persuade people and even uh, by inspiring them. And uh, there's positive material uh, surrounding the Super Bowl, plus all of the solicitation for sports betting, which is going to set all kinds of records with this particular Super Bowl. But uh, they had the NFL uh, honors ceremony at Phoenix's Symphony Hall and uh, it, it not only delivered uh, the MVP award to Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, of course. And there was also a Seahawks quarterback, Geno Smith, won comeback player of the year. But that award show also featured a, a video address from the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, listen
0: on behalf of everyone who are fighting for freedom of ukraine and the whole world i want to thank
1: everyone of you for your support i speak to you today as thousands of our brave men and women fight on the battlefields in ukraine among those on the front lines are the men of the ukrainian league
0: of american football who share the love of your game and some
1: of them have made the ultimate sacrifice. We have a popular expression in Ukraine, which means who, if not us. We can beat the evil and defend
0: democracy to hold. Slava Ukraini!
1: Our team, including these men, stands for freedom with our allies and partners, and together we give hope
0: to
1: the world. Uh, that's uh, something um, inspiring from who knew that there was a Ukrainian league of American football. And of course, they say American football to keep it distinct from soccer, which uh, they also have uh, Ukrainian teams in soccer. This is a, a very, very positive moment. And great to see President Zelensky getting that kind of applause on something that was widely watched. Something that is also uh, getting, um, obviously, a, a great deal of momentum is sports betting. There's a piece by Daniel Davis appeared in The Hill that's devastating, actually, and it's important. It starts out by reporting that the sports betting market has multiplied tenfold in three years and may have reached $7 billion in 2022. More than half of the nation can now legally gamble on sports. 50 million Americans are expected to bet on the upcoming uh, Super Bowl. In other words, you're talking about what, like, 20% of American adults. Five years ago, betting on live games was illegal in most of the United States, but a Supreme Court ruling in 2018 removed the ban and transformed the industry. Now there are 33 states and the District of Columbia that allow wagers on games. Addiction experts fear a coming national epidemic to rival the opioid crisis. And you say, come on, the opioid crisis can kill you and gambling is not a, a real physical addiction. It is actually an addiction and it's classified as such. They, um... Leah Nower, who's a professor and director of the Center for Gambling Studies at Rutgers University, says gambling is a very different addiction from drugs or alcohol. If I'm drunk or high, at some point my family is going to figure it out. With gambling I can be sitting with my kids watching cartoons and gambling away my house, my car, Everything I own on my mobile phone. How would you know? The uh, Supreme Court ruling struck down a federal law that had banned most commercial sport wagering outside of Las Vegas The subsequent spread of legal gambling was stunningly swift but gambling uh, dollars have reached the betting operators the industry reaped 4.3 billion in revenue on 57 billion dollars in wages that's $57,000 million on wages in 2021. In the first uh, 11 months of 2022, Americans bet $83 billion on sports and delivered $6.6 $6. 6 billion in profits to betting firms. That figure is 15 times what the sports gambling industry reaped in 2018. And you will see the sports gambling advertised uh, right on the Super Bowl. There's one f- uh, uh, ad apparently that uh, features the Manning family, Peyton and Eli, and and the whole Manning family encouraging people to uh, to take out bets on games. A celebrity athlete's shill for betting firms on television. Betting firms promote gambling on college campuses. Professional teams court official mobile sports betting partners. Teams and league owners love sports betting because they have found that the engagement is off the charts among people who are placing bets on games. Uh, That says uh, Daniel Barbarisi, who's author of Dueling with Kings, High Stakes Killer Sharks and the Get Rich Promise of Daily Fantasy Sports. The gambling is unquestionably addictive, uh, device rights, and arguably immoral. I I don't see how you can say it's immoral except that basically you're appealing to people to get something for nothing. The uh, not-for-nothing did Las Vegas earn the sobriquet sin city. The... um, the, the problem right here is over time, research say, researchers say sports betting addiction will take a toll in rising rates of bankruptcy, domestic violence, depression, anxiety, and suicide. The federal government takes a keen interest in regulating alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, and sports gambling. By contrast, there is no real federal presence at all, and that is the biggest problem. The sports gambling landscape will remain untamed, researchers say, until governments recognize gambling as a matter of public health. I do think there are watershed moments in all public health crises. Uh, Unfortunately, it usually takes some kind of crisis or tragedy to turn the tide. Is um, the tide worth turning? And why is is, uh, gambling... And particularly sports gambling, so addictive. Well, basically, because if you've just lost a lot of money, and you've lost a lot of money again, and you've lost a lot of money again, you say, "Well, obviously, uh, the odds are in my favor this time." But it doesn't work that way. It's like people can try experiments with flipping coins. It's possible that you can flip a coin and get heads. 10 times in a row 15 times in a row each time it's a separate possibility you can either win or lose so the ability to lose very big money and get into a a very destructive situation is very real uh speaking on destructive situations on the uh this uh Super Bowl weekend. I mean, obviously you have the big game Sunday night, but there are other kinds of affirmations that people can engage in. There was a pastor who appeared on CNN, a pastor, and talking about uh, the uh, drag queen bingo at his church. That's I guess is a form of dr- gambling. Uh, here's what he said about. Um, that particular event clip 5 ah well we don't have time for it right now but we do have more on other forms of addiction and uh, by the way the a record 50.4 50, 50. million american adults plan to bet on this year's super bowl wagering a total of 16 billion amazing The estimate includes legal bets and those placed with illegal bookies who still exist or casually among friends or relatives. Uh, Obviously, a a very different story. And a different story about addiction uh, on drugs, which can be so fatal, and where we are losing a real battle. That and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.